All right, cruel world. Welcome to David's life and observation. And today, man, school shootings. We had one today. Seems like we have them every day. Seems like we have one. At first, it seemed like when Columbine happened that that was going to be like the one-off. You know, I always knew there was going to be maybe one or two copycats, you know, just because they thought it was a cool idea. But nowadays, it's just like so prevalent that it makes us, uh, makes us really super paranoid about, and I mean us parents, super paranoid about sending our kids anywhere outside the house. When you got other kids that are prone to shooting other kids, uh, you know, it just, I don't understand it. So there's two complex problems within this one big giant problem that we're having. Um, the problem that these kids have access um, to the arsenal that they use to go do damage, um, you know, it's it's insane to me that a kid can get a hold of that many firearms or, or that much ammunition to go do the damage that they're going to go do to a school and have that in their head that that's like an okay thought to have. Um, you know, and, and it's not, it's, I don't even really blame the kids, you know, for, for, uh, you know, the ones that are, they feel that they have to, to do this kind of action to eliminate their bullies because bullying is not like it used to be. You know, when I was in school coming up, you know, as an older millennial, I used to get, you know, of course I got picked on. You know, I was, you know, not not that big of a person. I mean, I'm big now, but I wasn't even that big of a person in high school. And, yeah, there was, you know, guys that were, you know, bullying and stuff like that. But I don't think there was bullying on the scale of what you see kids do today. Um, we didn't have... Like, I think we had MySpace back then. Facebook wasn't even around when I graduated high school. So it was getting bullied kind of stopped when you left home. I mean, you might catch a few people out in public, you know, but they're not going to say anything in front of your folks. At least they had the respect back then not to. Um, but when it comes to the kids these days, there's there are so many social media platforms out there. It's so hard to get away from your bully. You can get bullied on Snapchat. Facebook, Instagram, it really doesn't even matter the social platform. They will find you, and then they will share all the missteps in communication, missteps in your uh, appearance to everybody they know under the sun, and and just relentlessly send text messages. How <laughs> many kids will go to your home? They'll talk trash to your parents nowadays because they don't care about reprisal. And it's just, it's insane to me that, uh, that it, it occurs on the scale so much so that the kids that are bullied and abused feel that their only recourse is to come commit violence against those who are bullying them and then, and then those who are not. You know, I think the the collateral damage that happens to the kids that actually weren't bullying anyone uh, is, is a byproduct of those 
they feel may not have been able, may not have stepped in when they probably could have. Cause there's, you know, when there's a fight at school or when somebody gets bullied, there's a lot of bystanders that don't say or do shit. So it, they could be counted as those who are implicit in the activity simply by not saying anything and just recording and sharing on social media. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, on the, the side of the administration, you know, a lot of administrations do what they can without being extremely draconian. They're they're limited to what they can do. So it's a parent's issue too. parents need to step in and confront their kids. If they're being bullies and confront their kids, if they are getting bullied, you know, if a kid's getting bullied, then the parents, if they are, are even aware of what's going on, you know, need to be able to, have that conversation, step in and, and do something about it. They, they need to be able to uh, say, Hey, what's the real issue and what can we do about it? And then if the parents take action and nothing is done by the administration, which happens quite a lot, actually, uh, where the administration says, Oh, there's nothing we can do. It happened off campus, blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and even if the police get involved, sometimes it just means that just means worse bullying for the kid. You know, so it, it's kind of like this nonstop process that happens, and it's just a sad state we live in. Um, and kids that do the bullying—if you're—if you're a parent, you catch your kid bullying, you should nip that shit in the bud as soon as you even get an inkling like your kid would do something like that. I know that. You know, bullying is so prevalent and parents, you know, encourage it sometimes. They do encourage, you know, their kid to wield, you know, the power that they do have in the sense that um, they'll tell their son, oh, well, you're not being punked. You're not being, uh, you're not doing anything wrong because you're just, you know, super popular or whatever have you. Yeah, they're doing wrong, you know. And it's kind of the mantra these days that those who do wrong and they are in a position of power won't get punished. Uh, they're more affluent most times than the kids that are, you know, committing these horrific things. They're more, um, uh, their safety net is just bigger. You know, honestly, their safety net, their parents, their grandparents, they have a little bit more, well, you know, structure, but not every kid who gets bullied turns around and does this kind of horrific thing. I think it's the kids that don't have a direct outlet. Like I had wrestling, I had football, I had means of escape, you know, I had ways, you know, literature, I had performing and plays and things that allowed me to do these extracurricular things that allowed me to, you know, not just come out of my shell, but be able to uh, utilize and, and exert that energy that you would use towards violence, towards, you know, con more controlled violence, you know, join the gym, join, you know, and I know a lot of guys who were bullied that are now monsters now as far as physicality and size, but that's because they stopped, they didn't want to get bullied anymore. They didn't want to get ridiculed for, you know, being the fat kid. They didn't want to get ridiculed for being quirky. And, and, and now a lot of, I think this has been more of a revenge of the nerds lately, but, you know, it's, essentially cool to be nerdy and to be fit. And, and I think that's something that, 
uh, is allowing communities to come together at a more even pace. Because there, there are a lot of jocks in school that are nerdy about one thing or another. They're either nerdy about uh, automotive uh, things or nerdy about video games, whatever it is that they're very much into, they're going to spend a lot of time learning and, and getting into. But if a kid, let's say a kid plays Pokemon or a kid plays, you know, something that everybody else finds socially awkward and weird, then, you know, that kid ends up getting picked on, even though those other kids also do equally nerdy things, but they're just not ridiculed for it because it's socially acceptable to do. You know, if a kid's playing Fortnite versus a kid who plays, um, like I said, he walks around and does Pokemon or who does trading cards or whatever have you. That other kid could possibly get ridiculed because Fortnite's a more common thing. But at the same time, it's it's a it's it's a mentality that um, people are putting other people under to the point where they, you know, the oppression is so much so, and the pressure is so much so. That it, it, it creates a pop, it creates a bubble, it creates something that will explode at one point, and it does, and in the most horrific fashion. You know, we see it time and again, and we, we hear the same story. Kid is bullied, kid is an outcast, kid is a lone wolf, kid is a, you know, a kid that is, you know, a little bit lower, lower end on the social uh, platforms, a little bit on the lower end of the, um, uh, on the poor scale, you know, a lot of these kids that commit these crimes are, you know, poor or not even well-off kids. And if they are well-off, you know, a lot of things that aren't addressed in schools is mental health. You know, I mean, there's, uh, there are administrations that go too far. And obviously we have kids that'll, you know, be in elementary and chew their, um, <laughs> chew their food into a shape of a gun. And then that kid somehow, it's, it's somehow acceptable for the administration to put that kid on suspension. No, that's stupid. That's retarded. That's not even cool. But you'll have a kid, too, that's, you know, making a hit list, and that kid really needs to be, you know, addressed by uh, a mental health professional. You know, they need to be addressed by teachers who recognize signs, and a lot of a lot of it, too. And you'll, you'll see instances where kids you know, commit murder at the home and then they'll go do a school shooting, you know, in those instances, when that happens is they're being abused at home too. Not only are they facing abuse in the social structure of school where teachers don't intervene and don't do anything about it, but they're getting that social pressure at home too, where, uh, at home they might have a father or mother or brother or sister. That's just tormenting them. And, you know, I mean, Back in the day, I mean, when you, you know, when, when I was a kid, it was it was easy to just, you know, throw hands, defend yourself, or or become very very good at trash talk. Even though, you know, you could be the fat kid, the small kid, whatever. You know, there were those kids that had those afflictions, but they were really really good at talking trash. And I think the art of talking trash is missed because there are so many offended people, and and and, and, and discourse and creative language is not even allowed on, on school campuses that it's just a stifling environment. You know, a lot of pressure is put on kids, uh, not just in homework, not just in, um, you know, trajectory of life. I mean, a lot of pressure is put on them. You need to get the good grades. You need to make our school look fantastic. You need to be in social programs or you're not going to get a job. Essentially high school prepares people to get a really rank and file job. 
you know, but college prepares you to get an even a little bit better rank and file job. School doesn't teach kids to be creative anymore. It doesn't give kids the outlet. You know, if, if a kid doesn't have an outlet like art or band, and, and, and when they do art or band, it, it is often ridiculed. You know, I mean, you know, the stars of the school are always going to be the jocks. They're always going to be the, the popular girls that are on the cheerleading team. You know, there are going to be those who are skaters and punks and anti-establishment types, and they're going to have their uh, rebellious phase going through. But they have an outlet that's reasonable. They have an outlet that says, hey, um, you know, I'm, I am outside your comfort zone. I'm outside your norm. And I like being that way. And I was that way, too. I mean, I liked when I was in high school, I liked hanging out with the punks and skaters and, you know, kicking hacky sack and, you know, running out to go smoke a little weed once, you know, here, here and again. But it's it's become a, a different age where, um like I said, the torment, the bullying, the public shaming, you know, like you'll have a kid post, you know, something really stupid, you know, or, or they'll make a mistake. And then that mistake is viewed by millions of people or hundreds of thousands. And you wouldn't believe the kind of pressure that puts on a kid where you're always going to be remembered as that one kid that did that one socially awkward thing at that one time. And it never goes away because the internet, you know, on the internet memes never die. Everything never goes away. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. You know, you're always going to be that one meme. You're always going to be that one instance in life. And and that could be damaging, you know. But, you know, and, and, and it made me think, you know, when I was watching uh, 13 Reasons Why Season 2, <coughs> it really made me think of the character of Tyler. You know, I mean, he's, he's already a social outcast from season one. We get that. He had kind of a redemption phase through some of season two. I'm sorry about the spoilers, guys, if you have not seen it. Um, but if you have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. He has some encounters that are really rough to watch. Like, it's really what, rough to watch. And at the end of the program, you know, at the end of the, the series, you know, he's, you know, essentially... He's essentially, you know, falling into the same patterns as, you know, these other kids. And we saw a little bit of that on season one, if you're familiar with the end of season one. So it's, it's, uh, it's really hard to, to blame him because you empathize with the character and you empathize with the kids that are under this extreme scrutiny, but you still won't ever accept that it's okay to do their action of what they're doing or what they're about to do or how they're going to do it. So to prevent this nonsense from happening, I think we as parents, we as uh, administrators, uh, law enforcement community, everybody needs to um, play a little bit more active role, you know, in, in not just our ki kids' lives, but in, in the administration. You know, administrations need to stop being so draconian. And, and, and a lot of the issue, and I'm, and I'm really knocking at legislators here, a lot of the issue, and this is kind of my political device at the end of this um, is that a lot of states are taking funding away from schools and we see we have seen educators fight back not just for a living wage themselves but for more in the classroom to bring back the arts to bring back the humanities to bring back uh, band and and all these different classes that are electives that kids can take to advance their their mind their creativity and their thinking um 
you know, and, and America's doing a really good job of transitioning from, I would say the nineties height of, you know, fast food and gluttony to more of the, you know, after 2000 fit craze, not even fit craze where it's just more socially acceptable to be fit and healthy and, and fall into those lines versus very unhealthy and, you know, very uh, unfit where, um, it's, it's, it's like a sad day we live in when we have to have commercials telling kids to go play outside, you know, because outside when I was a kid, you couldn't get me inside the house. It was the inverse, you know? Um, and, and I think that plays a role, you know, I think that plays a role, you know, the lack of, you know, sleep that kids are getting too is pivotal to that role because kids are expected to perform at a very high level. They're, they're expected to, uh, complete stacks of homework that, you know, I mean, I never even faced and, and do it in a way that, uh, the way it's taught, I'm talking about you common core math. It's, it's a horrible torture you do to kids. Um, but anyways, um, I think that's my end of, you want a bagel, honey? All right. I'll get you a bagel. Um, that's the end of my show. Uh, for right now, I'm going to come back with something a little bit later. Thank you.